This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so, so excited to have Gail Turner Cooper on with us today. She is a functional medicine health coach. She is a Reiki master. She does intuition development and is an all around fantastic human. So welcome, Gail. Oh, thank you so much. You're a pretty fantastic human yourself. Oh, thank you. Um, (laughs) So I'm so excited for you to share all about yourself and your journey. And if you just want to start by introducing yourself and sort of how you got started into this more spiritual business world. Yeah. Oh, what a journey it was. So once upon a time, I was an executive vice president of a large marketing agency. And I was realizing that I was no longer being fed. I wasn't really following what I felt was my sole purpose. And so I started investigating, okay, well, what would that be? What does that look like? What is your sole purpose and how do you figure it out? You know, there's only thousands of things you could choose from. And with a little help of some outside people where they uh, started asking me lots of questions in the health coaching realm, lots of questions in the Reiki realm, lots of questions in the, hey, I'm awakening. So what do I do with all of this just as a friend? All of a sudden, I started realizing what I was supposed to be doing with my life. And so I went and got uh, different certifications for each one of those facets and really developed them. And then after I did that, I decided it was time to leave my corporate job and really go out on my own, which was just nerve wracking. But thankfully, I have a great support team. I've got great family members that support me, great friends that support me. And I really just felt like I needed to trust and surrender to what I was supposed to be doing. And once I did that, like magic started happening. My calendar started filling up. I met a wonderful new orbit of people, which I bring into my space as often as I can And people that no longer served me kind of started falling off to the wayside. So I knew I was on the right path. Wow. Okay. There's so much that I want to check in with about because I think that your journey and your evolution is so inspiring for so many different reasons. When you say that you felt unfulfilled or unhappy in your previous executive job, Could you share a little bit about what that felt like? Was it physical? Was it mental? Were you burnt out? How did you really know that it was time to explore something new? Because I think a lot of us sort of maybe just settle into, well, this is an ebb and flow of business life, or this is what adulting is. But how did you really feel like, no, no, this was your breaking point? 
It didn't really start until I started practicing a type of meditation practice that's called transcendental meditation. And once I started practicing that, I was tuning into me and bringing that self-awareness out. That's really what sparked kind of everything for me. I started listening to myself. I started, instead of reacting to a negative situation, I would stop, peel away, and look at it from a perspective of what is the lesson I'm trying to learn here? What am I trying to understand from this? And more and more and more, it became uncomfortable, right? So it was like a wedge in a particular relationship at work or a situation at work or an experience or an um, expectation of me. And those wedges became so big and so many that I knew this was not meant for me much more long-term. Hmm. It's almost like these like energetic dams were being put up and you were being directed, redirected in a different way. Perfectly stated. Yeah. I've always been fascinated by transcendental meditation. And at one point back in the day when I was living in New York and it was a popular thing, I had investigated a, a little bit, but how did you get hooked up with that type of meditation? I heard it. I was like, transcendental meditation. Okay, where did that noise come from? <laughs> so it dropped into you as a download. Yeah, but oh, I didn't know cool. back then what downloads were yet. Mm. And I would have experiences of a very spiritual style, but nothing that I had someone say to me, this was a download. Hey, by the way, this is not you making some word up, but you have to look into this. <laughs> right, right. You're like, wait, where is that coming from? <laughs> Because same thing happened with Reiki for me. I kept hearing the word Reiki or I'd see Reiki on a computer search or all these things where it was like putting it in front of my face where I couldn't ignore it anymore. And so I dove in. I was like, what is transcendental meditation? Apparently it's something I need to get into and understand. So I went and got trained from a TM teacher and then I started practicing it every single day. And that's really when you reap the rewards is when you use that superfood for your brain every single day. And not just, oh, I'm feeling stressed, therefore I'm going to meditate. No, really use it every single day. And that's where they give you a specific mantra, right? Okay. And then do you start your day with your TM? Is that how it usually works for you? I personally do. Um, Proper TM technique is you practice it twice a day. I don't do that. I practice it once a day. And it's when I get up, I take care of a few things. And then I have this meditation space that I use in my home. And that's always the space I use. Now, if I'm on vacation, I will develop a meditation space wherever I'm at and just use that. Oh, that's so beautiful. I think that's so powerful to hear that even though there is this formality or direction about how you're supposed to practice it, it's all about making it work in our lives. And I think that's a really a key message for so many people because often you hear that it's supposed to be a certain way and then you try it and then you feel like you're a failure because you can't do it that way. And the truth is even five minutes, 10 minutes a day of any kind of 
personal practice makes a world of difference. I mean, it yes. really does set up a huge foundation for setting boundaries and checking in with yourself. And I think we need to let go in general of this idea that these 45 minute or hour long meditations where you're sitting on the mat or sitting on the cushion. So I love that you are able to adapt it to your own circumstance. Yeah. And I love the fact that this particular practice, the point is not to have this beautiful, clear brain and no thoughts. Thoughts are going to come to visit. Don't invite them in for tea. I love that saying thoughts mm, are going to come so to visit don't invite them in for tea so what do you do with the thoughts that bubble up well you just allow them to come up to be processed properly and move on mm, so good yeah in the compassion training class we use the clouds in the sky analogy yeah. so you just sort of like you look at them you watch the thought and then you just let it continue floating on <laughs> right you don't bring it in for closer inspection, get right. paralysis by analysis, <laughs> have to, you know, overthink something 17 different ways, dissect it. No, you just let it go. Yes. Agreed. I love that. So then you started noticing that people were coming to you for health advice and you got trained in health coaching. And I know you've established such a phenomenal practice. What are some of your key tenants in that? in that business, in that practice? One, um, so I work with people on nutrition. I work with people on stress management techniques and I work with people on lifestyle changes. And understanding that each person is a unique being and that it's not a one size fits all idea, right? So someone will come to me and they'll say, well, what kind of diet do I need to be on? Well, first of all, we're not gonna call it a diet. We're gonna call it a lifestyle. Second of all, we are going to see what works for you. Like Lauren, what makes your body thrive? Not what makes my body and the rest of people's bodies thrive, but what makes you specifically thrive? And the functional medicine piece is really kind of getting to the root cause of what's creating someone's dis-ease. So as you may suffer from headaches, for example, it's not pop a Tylenol because you're Tylenol deficient. It's right. why are your headaches coming on? So let's solve the root of what's going on. So you don't have to triage with outside medications. Mm, that's so incredible. And I think many of us are just looking outside of ourselves or just the quick fix, or yeah. if it's numbing or filling a void. I mean, it's this, it's a parallel um, analogy and a lot of parts of our life that we feel that when something is wrong, there's an outside source that's required to fix it. Right. It's an inside source. Like your body will heal itself by itself, given half the chance and the right environment. Do you think, and this has come up for me with certain friends or different clients, that there are certain bodies that are holding trauma Yes, and that's why they have chronic conditions or repeating situations versus a body that, of course, there's going to be ups and downs in how you feel and there is illness and virus and things that are coming in. But there, is there a difference between a body that is pretty much healthy and a body that is more challenged? Absolutely. So now you're getting into the piece that this is the whole reason I added Reiki to my practice, because it wasn't just 
the nutrition, the lifestyle changes or stress management. It was also the energy aspect of it. So what you're talking about or alluding to are the energy memories, trauma that we store in our auric field and being able to get in there and help the person process that in a healthy way. Again, you're setting your body up for success. You're allowing it to heal itself by itself, given the right environment. So Mm -hmm. helping someone process those traumatic experiences energetically will set the body up for a more thriving environment. So for someone listening that has never experienced Reiki, or maybe they've heard of it, but they're not really sure what it is, could you just give a quick definition or a beginner's guide to what Reiki is? Sure. It is hands-on or distance energy healing. So someone is attuned to receiving uh, Reiki energy, that is the practitioner, and that energy is then sent to the client. That energy can be about balancing chakras. It can be about cleaning energy spaces that someone may be holding onto. It could be simply holding space for someone, again, to allow their body and soul to heal in a healthier, happier environment. And all that is done, again, either in person or distance. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a one-on-one situation. And for everybody listening, Gail's Reiki sessions are, I don't even know how to explain them because they're so incredible. And I personally have been so fortunate to experience the healing from them. It's almost like, it's like your chakras are getting a little cleaning, a little bath, a little scrubbing. But there's also just this complete peace. I mean, I've had past live things pop in. I've had all kinds of incredible visions and senses. I remember coming to you once and saying, gosh, my back is just really hurting, like my lower back. Mm -hmm. And I walked out of your space and the back pain did not come back. It was really just Mm -hmm. completely, it felt like a little miracle for me. I can't thank you enough. And it brings me so much joy to hear messages like that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, you're such a dear, but (laughs) I love what I do. I have such a passion for it and coming to the table, the Reiki table, that is being an open, clean channel for people is my job as a practitioner, as a Reiki master to be able to say, Whatever this particular person needs, let that be received. Mm. I was going to ask you if you had a connection process that you do before Reiki, how do you sort of open that channel up? Because I think a lot Mm. of people are maybe thinking about how they connect and wanting to strengthen that connection process, whether it be for their own healing or in service of others. Do you mean how I start my day as a Reiki practitioner? Like how do I best prepare myself? Yes, that'd be great. So I really start with grounding and rooting in, you know, we can spend so much time up here in our spiritual world, or we can spend so much time in our bodies. You know, a lot of people that come see me spend most of their time here where their breath doesn't make it all the way through their lungs 
They just focus on too many thoughts, like the worry, the rat race, and then just little shallow breaths. So bringing all that energy all the way down and really rooting and grounding into the earth is very, very important for me as I start my day. The second thing is I call in my guides and um, I ask for protection, making sure I am a protected source of healing Reiki energy. The third would be reciting the Reiki principles, which you learn in uh, Reiki one attunement. So then after I do those things, I always make sure that I keep my vessel as clean and clear as possible. So I perform self-Reiki every single day, making sure that the energy that comes in is as um, it needs to be, as it should be. I know you mentioned that you invite in guides. How does that work? How does that, how do they come into you if you would be willing to share your Claire abilities Mm -hmm. and how do you feel like those work in a Reiki session? Great question. There's no simple answer for that. I will call (laughs) in my client's guides and I will call in my guides. And each guide will communicate through a different Claire. So um, clairsentience being that clear feeling, right? So if I have someone on my table that has a shoulder injury that I need to focus on, they're going to make my shoulder uncomfortable. They're going to point some energy into where I understand, oh, I need to focus on a shoulder or a liver or your pancreas or something like that. That spot on my body will be highlighted, if you will. Sometimes I have to ask them to turn down the highlighting that I really get it. You don't have to show me so powerfully right now. I'm good. Wow. Because you can really feel it so sensitively. Very sensitively. Wow. That's incredible. Um, What was that like when you first started feeling that? Was it hard to discern what was your physical situation versus your clients? Surprisingly, no, it was very apparent. Like my liver wasn't normally twinging and now it's twinging. (laughs) Right. Right. You're like this person walked in and now I feel differently. Right. Exactly. As soon as I tapped into their energy. (laughs) Right. So do you do a muscle testing or a pendulum? Have you ever worked with either of those to sort of figure it out? No, I, I have worked with pendulums. I don't do muscle testing. I don't, I don't want this to sound um, anything other than sincere. I use my body as a honing device and my Mm -hmm. different clairs. So sometimes certain guides will pull in clairvoyantly or clairaudiently. So hearing or seeing through my third eye. Some clients, clairgustance being that uh, tasting, right? I wish that I would get more pleasantries from tasting things most of the time it's someone is trying to express a stomach issue and I get like the taste of bile in my mouth. One time I've had fresh strawberries and I was like, (laughs) what a fresh straw. Oh my gosh. Thank you for giving me fresh strawberries, but not mostly that. (laughs) So it it depends on how the guide best communicates and how my body is receiving that information, but it's pretty apparent because it's very different it's a different frequency than my normal frequency, which mm. 
By the way, I would also highlight in the fact that if you understand what your home frequency is, then you can best discern where the other frequencies are kind of coming from. Well, and that just reiterates the point of that the time spent in self-care is so critical. And so many of us have gotten the message as women, as mothers, that it's a selfish act or it's taking time away from family or friends or that it's a nice thing to, to add on. And what I hear you saying is that that is so required, first of all, for anybody, but especially if you want to be in this healing space, that the more time that you can spend honing in on your own energy and your own space, the better you're going to be able to serve others because not only will your clear awareness grow, but also just that base foundation where you can more easily see what's yours, what's somebody else. It's almost like you're doing that empathic boundary work. Very much so. And you bring up a good point with empaths. As an empath, which many, many, many people are that aren't in this quote unquote spiritual world or want to do something with that, you could still walk into a store and pick up negative energies that you maybe felt great before you walked into the store and now you kind of feel agitated or irritated understanding how to put up those boundaries or better yet understanding what's you versus someone else is critical and that's one of the best ways to do it is honing in and understanding who you are what your energy frequency is and you don't even have to use that terminology you could just say how do i feel do i currently feel happy great and then before you walk into the store you could say do i currently feel the same and then you walk into the store and all of a sudden you may not because you're picking up different things. You could simply say, this energy does not belong to me and push it back out. Oh, I love that. I definitely feel that with human design when I share people's open or closed, undefined, defined energy centers, when they get to see it in you know, the body graph form, all mm. of a sudden so much makes sense that here's a place where I feel pretty consistent and I'm here to give impact. And this is basically the core of who I am versus this is a place that's always open that I do pick up a lot of feelings and things from other people that I am more susceptible to those outside energies. So that's a thing that I try to you know, reinforce during different human design sessions. Cause sometimes you do feel like you're making it up or where is this coming from? And I'm wondering how, you know, we're talking about guides as if it's just this very commonplace thing, right? right. which I totally love because for us it is, but for people that are just starting this journey who maybe have heard or maybe felt things or been able to see things. What was your process like in really establishing this relationship with your guides? How did that, how did that work in, in real life terms? In real life terms, again, I'm going to point it back to the meditation and doing that inner work, allowing that the thoughts to come up and clean out through the practice of transcendental meditation that allowed more space if you will for my feelings my thought processes 
to better connect. And then I don't think I had a choice. I didn't make the conscious decision like, oh, now I'm going to reach out to some guides and see what kind of guides do I have? That space, that cleansing allowed the connection, the communication to be much clearer. They're always there. They're always trying to communicate. It's just very difficult for them to bring their energy down into the human space and then ours to come up into the spiritual space. Sometimes the space there does not allow for good communication, but the closer you can make that connection, the easier the communication line will be. So as a a short answer, I don't know that I made that conscious decision to say, now's the time. They just started talking and I started being able to listen. Mm. First of all, I feel like we need to do a whole second episode on guides and intuition development and all of that. So, cause I, it's, I mean, I love it. It's fascinating. And I think a lot of people who are opening up to that for the first time or in a new way would gain so much from that. Did your Claire's come in one at a time? Was there an evolution of those? Because I know there's some that are more popular or people are more aware of. So being able to see or being able to hear, I think people maybe are aware of those or that can sometimes be put up on a pedestal as a higher ability. And so I'm wondering how you've navigated that. So I think the first one that came in for me was clairsentience. And that's that clear feeling. Mm-hmm. I, and that feeling, by the way, can be divided. I, I put it in two camps where let's say you walk into a room and you feel the vibration of the room, right? You ever walked into a meeting and you just, oh, this is a good vibe. This is not a good vibe. Uh-huh. Every day. <laughs> Every day, right? Or let's say you walk into a room and you feel that someone was fighting and then they stopped fighting. Well, they're not fooling you. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. So that's the camp of clairsentience over here. And then the camp of physically feeling it on my physical body in order to help someone, um, be that in health coaching or in a Reiki session, that I would say is a different type of feeling, but both under that umbrella of clairsentience. So that one came in first. I think a close second was clairvoyance. And that is that clear seeing. For me, it came in with pictures or videos like they would show just kind of film strips of things I needed to see. After that was Claire audience, which a little bit of a misnomer is people think it's a separate voice. Right, right. It's, it's your not. own voice. Yeah. It's your own voice. Mm-hmm. Which can and, be confusing because I, right? I definitely have Claire audience. And so many times when I was really first starting to pay attention it's very easy to dismiss it or say, that's just my own ego voice, or that's I'm talking in my head. And then all of a sudden you will hear something that you've never heard before, that you've never said before. It's not in your language. It's not in your voice. And it's like, oh, okay, this is something. (laughs) And those will come fast. Those hits will come much faster than your thought coming up, right? So if I was milling around about a question in my brain and a thought came in super quick, that I would put in the clear audience 
if it came in and it took a second to kind of earworm in there, that I would put in my own ego camp or my own thought process coming to be. And the more you practice it, the easier it is to be able to discern between your voice or your messages to yourself versus a guide's message for you. Mm. And understanding again, going back to that vibration, where did the vibration of the new language come through? Did it come through faster? Did it make you feel like this? Or was it slower and it made, you know, was it a slower vibration? Was Mm -hmm. it um, something that you just kind of knew, but it took a little longer? Right. One question that I'd love for you to answer is for people that are listening, for people who are getting these messages and don't know what to do with them mm-hmm. and maybe don't feel that there's a safe space to share. When did you feel comfortable being able to truly incorporate that into your client practices? And, and I'm asking you know, for people listening and also to share from my own perspective that one of the reasons I started doing an intuition development program is because I was doing human design sessions and, you know, it's a training and it's by the book. And there's, as you know, there's just a ton of information. And all of a sudden I would be in a session and something would drop in just like you're describing. That was completely not my own. I had not thought it, I hadn't written notes on it. And I had this feeling of wanting to just spit it out of my mouth at the person (laughs) and okay, well, is this something that I share? What is this? Where does this come from? And then over the process of a year and a half, being able to really step into, okay, I'm connecting. This is meant for this person. I'm going to feel comfortable offering that. Great question. I don't know that I've got a good answer for it. (laughs) When did I feel comfortable with that? In the beginning, I didn't have an agreement with guides, a boundary. That's a better word. I didn't have a boundary with guides that they just couldn't talk through me and channel through me. So in the beginning, I would just say things and I'm like, oh, that is not okay. You cannot just say things through using my body. So I had to build that boundary. And then I began to, I guess, hold the message and figure out when that right time was to express that message. But one of the biggest things is not to edit messages, right? Don't they come in exactly how people need to hear them and to honor, not to edit them, I think is really important. That's not to say that you can't put your flavor to it or put it in your voice, but I was taught never to edit. So would you say to somebody, this is what I'm hearing? What was the lingo that you used to sort of soften that? Because I think, again, for many people listening that are maybe new to this or trying to figure out how to navigate these higher vibrational relationships in their everyday world. Yeah. Because I think we can feel, I have felt very separate. I have felt that in some ways I'm living a double life. I'm a secret agent. <laughs> of, I have this one world with you and so many other beautiful awakening souls where we get to talk about this stuff and feel so expansive and so comfortable. 
And it just like, we're talking about guides like NBD. And then of course I have this other world where it doesn't feel that way. I don't know if it's a safe space. I don't know if I feel comfortable. I don't know if the other people feel comfortable. And yet you don't want to lose that connection. You don't want to turn that connection off. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. And I deal with the same thing. So in Atlanta, I feel like I have a good understanding of who I can share and express where the information is coming from or whether it should just be a statement that's coming from me. Mm. You know, in, in my health coaching practice, if you're coming to me for Reiki, you're, you're understand, in. Yeah. you're in, you're in, <laughs> you're understanding guides come in, you're going to get the messages. That's one thing. But if you're right. coming to me for health coaching, you don't necessarily know the other aspects of my life, really. So you may not truly understand that the words that are going to come out of my mouth are coming from me and my training and my experiences, or if I'm getting that download from your guides. Mm-hmm. And I that's okay. And that's okay. There's right. nothing wrong with that. I won't stop someone who may be very adverse to that to say, oh, so one of your guides is here. That's going to throw them so off course and scare them. And that's mm-hmm. not what it's about. It's all about helping somebody and doing it from a place of love and heart space. So I'm going to try and deliver that in just that intention is through love and the heart space. And I'm sure that this is a process that takes time and practice. And the more we get comfortable with it, the more we learn to trust ourselves and how we are expressing ourselves. I think it does become easier to navigate that. I think you're right. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is you are now teaching Reiki, intuition, and how did you feel like you were ready (laughs) to go from a practitioner to the teaching space? Because I think a lot of us suffer either currently or past, or maybe we'll come, come around again this idea of imposter syndrome, or even Mm. people that are listening that want to build a course or want to do a masterclass or want to do a training and sit in the space of who am I to teach? What do I have to offer? You know, all those limiting beliefs that sort of circle around your head. Oh, if you want to be a teacher, you must have this amount of experience or have this kind of life. What I'll first say is I don't want to put pressure on anyone to teach. Hmm. You don't have to teach, right? Sometimes you can support. Sometimes you can be the best practitioner you could possibly be. So if you're called to teach, teach. If you're not called to teach, don't teach. It doesn't mean you're less than anything other than wonderful right? So that being said, if you are called to teach and you're kind of tiptoeing around, when should I try it on a friend Mm -hmm. and see how you feel and then come up with a program that works for you, but also understand that that program can change and go with the flow. Maybe something felt a little clunky in the process. 
So you would want to eliminate that or maybe smooth that process out or make a couple tweaks here and there. The point here is just to start. Don't wait until you feel like you have the most perfect program and that's the only time that I can then hit the start button. You can perfect it later on down the line as you gain experience. And you can't gain experience unless you just try. Right. Just start because we're never going to feel it's like having kids. You never feel like it's the right time. It's the perfect this. It's the perfect that. I think that's such a beautiful message just to try to do it with friends, to see how it feels. And I also really love that you shared that not everybody is going to feel called to be in the teaching space. I think that's really powerful for people to know, because I do think there's a little bit of I don't know if it's a stigma or a process in this collective spiritual space where that's the next level that people get to. It's like you learn it, you're a practitioner, and then if you want to quote unquote make it or you want to reach the next level, you have to turn your business into a teaching business, which for many people, that's not what they want. They just want to be, and I shouldn't even say just want to be, they want to be a practitioner and that's the most beautiful calling space for them, it doesn't have to lead to teaching. Right. One is not better than the other. I love to teach people. So that was definitely in my calling. And I had message after message after message of, okay, this is all great, but this is the space you're supposed to be in. (laughs) I've shared with you offline that I wanted a support group so much for people that was free to come in and express who they are and be able to just hear the words so they could decide what they really believe in. So I started a group, just a a group of people that feel that they can come and communicate and express what it is that they want to express. But that I had to start because I couldn't find one that really suited the uh, intentions that I was looking for. Doesn't mean that everybody has to start a group. It doesn't mean that you're less if you don't start a group. Just be, just simply be what you feel that your soul is calling to you. Mm. And I'm so fortunate to be part of that group. And I think that that is a challenge for many people who don't feel that they have community. Mm -hmm. And one of the benefits or positive silver linings that has come out of of COVID in this year long plus pandemic for me, and I think many others is being forced (laughs) online in many ways has been an incredible blessing because if you haven't been able to find that community in your small town or in your work or in your school, then being able to reach out and find people online, being able to listen to podcasts or do the class or, or find the Facebook group that you feel comfortable in makes so much of a difference. For me in the past three years, going from a place where I felt isolated, even in this beautiful community with so many friends and family and fun activities, but just feeling almost like I was an observer or I was a witness or feeling some level of detachment Mm -hmm. and not belonging 
even while I was in the situation, it was fun. It was great. It was lovely. But there was always a point of looking back and feeling that separation or yeah. feeling, you know, you sort of review the night, the conversations and just thinking, I don't know, it doesn't feel all heart centered to me. And so I love that idea of number one, if you can't find it, keep looking, there are groups available. And even just being able to step into your authenticity a little bit more and talk about it can be that bridge to others. You can be the lifeline to others who don't feel comfortable. And if you have to start your own group, then that's, that's in your powers too. That's it. (laughs) we got to make our way (laughs) we got to make our way (laughs) I love that we have this ability when we are together to just talk about so many incredible topics that might sound very out there to other people but we're just talking about it like we're talking about gardening or cooking or any (laughs) other things so for people out there who do not have a gale in their life I hope that you find one or please connect to us because (laughs) of all the things I think number one it's the relationship that you build with yourself and Mm -hmm. I think that trust, that being able to tap into yourself is the most important relationship, paramount above everything else. But really a close second is being able to have some sort of community, whether it be one person or a hundred that you can go to and talk about these things because it, it is a different life and that's not bad and it's not good. But I feel for me, and I'd love to hear your take on it, the value of having that support as you go through this different way of living. You said it perfectly. The support, the community, you don't have to be alone. You also don't have to look too far and wide for it. You know, when you're going through your awakening or you feel like you're wanting to explore different avenues within your spirituality, you're right on the money. Explore in first. Make sure that you are getting into your own space and being the best you that you can possibly be. And then explore out. And maybe the first group that you join, the first circle you join, isn't the one for you. Keep looking. Don't be discouraged. You'll find your orbit of people that really resonate with you. But having it is a really critical piece to be able to um, take deeper dives into figuring out who you are as a person. Hearing yourself, for example, let's say you came to a circle and you shared something, but you didn't know that you really believed it. You just wanted to hear it and feel how it resonated with you. The next day you could come back and say, oh, that's not really how I feel anymore and feel the same support, the same sense of community, the same love and compassion from those around you to allow you to continue to explore. When you have that, you know you're in the right circle. Mm, That's so beautiful. And I think also extending the same grace that you would give to others who are in process of exploring and fluctuating and researching and examining and give yourself that same grace. I think it's hard sometimes because there's so much information out there in the spiritual realm. And 
you might not resonate with every single thing that a certain modality teaches or that a certain teacher talks about. And so it's okay to pick and choose and mold that around what's right for you. That's why we're all individuals. That's how we create our own spiritual roadmap or journey. And I think also from the business aspect, that's what makes it so exciting and so fun that for me, I have this human design language and then I've learned this incredible Reiki skill from you because I'm so, so lucky. And then also bringing intuition. And then all of a sudden I have my own modality combination that I'm offering to people. Yes. And what I'll say to that is be open for further exploration. Mm -hmm. We're skills are always developing. So for example, I just heard the term sacred geometry over and over and over. And it kept coming up kind of like how Reiki did years ago and how all these other things years ago came through. And I'm like, am I supposed to learn sacred geometry? Wow. I don't feel like I'm supposed to be an expert or teach it, but now I'm hearing something new. So I'm trying to stay with the flow and go, maybe this is just another tool in my toolbox of gifts that I can share with the world. So why am I learning that? that? (laughs) I can totally see that because I don't know that much about sacred geometry, but I feel like because of how open you are and all of your gifts that you are going to be able to see the shapes and that's going to be a shorthand and a shortcut for you energetically. Mm, Nice. I appreciate that. (laughs) Stay tuned, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) On part two, we are going to explore what's happening with sacred geometry. (laughs) (laughs) Just to add on to that, if you get the download of sacred geometry and you start to pursue it, and it doesn't connect to you, it's okay to let it go too. I mean, we are so fortunate to have so much access to so many things. And I had a client a few weeks ago that was saying, I really thought that this was going to be it. And I was really Mm. into this. And then I felt like this, and I'm just, I don't know what's wrong with me because none of these things are sticking. And what came in for me and what I shared with her is that all of these things that you have the interest in, are fantastic. And it's great to follow that and learn what you can and glean what you can and put it in your sort of energetic toolbox. And then it's also okay to let your energy pivot and move on to the next thing. We don't have to get so attached. We don't have to keep all of our ideas so precious that we can't let it go and move on to learn the next thing. Exactly right. And the more you build upon your toolbox, the, to, the more tools you have, the easier the communication is that they could maybe pull a particular visual or a particular um, memory or tug on a symbol, if you will, and you'll get that information very cleanly. I love it. I love it. This was so incredible. So how can people find you, work with you, learn more about you? Oh, thank you so much for this opportunity, Lauren. You're such a good friend and a warm, wonderful, heart-centered person who, a little plug for you before I give my information, (laughs) if you haven't had a human design reading by Lauren, do it today. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. It's amazing, truly, what what you're gifted with, which 
are endless things. What you bring to the table is like a, um, how do I explain it to my clients that I refer you hopefully often? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. You're the best. You're like, I, I love it. <laughs> it's like a permission slip, right? Mm -hmm. You come and you're, you're given this beautiful understanding of, hey, you're not weird. You're this. You're not off. You're this. And here's how to be the best this. So thank you for what you do. It's amazing. How to find me is you can come to alignhealthcoaching.com. That's A-L-I-G-N, healthcoaching.com. You can email me at gail, G-A-I-L, at alignhealthcoaching.com. Or you can simply call me at 404-401-6226. Whatever makes it. you feel comfy. <laughs> <laughs> and on social also Facebook, Instagram. Yes. It's all under Align Health Coaching. Okay. That is health coaching, Reiki, intuition, development, both as a person who wants to receive it and also for somebody who wants to learn it. That's right. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. So beautiful, so expansive, and I can't wait for everybody to be able to experience your your light, your wisdom, mm -hmm. your heart. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being you. First of all, you're oh such a beautiful light. And then thank you for opening up this platform and the opportunity to be able to share with you and your audience. I adore you to pieces and I honor you. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.